Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, we're going to talk about holiness and purity, both that of God and of his people. Leviticus 17, 21, and 22. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. There's generally a blog post for each one of these lessons on my website, livethroughjesus.com, and all of the past studies are done in writing and available to purchase there for under $5. Since I'm writing as I go along, the current study may not be there quite yet, but it definitely will be available to purchase once all of the episodes for it are complete. I'll try to let you know, but you can also just check the website periodically, maybe each week when a new blog post comes out. If you'd like for me to email you whenever a new blog post or a new study comes out, then email me at Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com and I'll put you on the email list. Okay, so now that all of that's out of the way, let's get started on this week's lesson. On the last episode, we talked about the Day of Atonement. And if you happen to miss that episode, you might want to go back and listen to it because we talked about how the priests were supposed to approach God and how we now can approach God because of Jesus. Today, we're going to just cover a couple of general rules about sacrifices and for the priests. And so the first chapter we're going to be in is Leviticus 17. And I'm going to allow y'all to go and read these chapters on your own because otherwise it would be a lot of reading. And I think it's difficult sometimes to listen to reading. And when it's a lot like this, I think it's better to let you go ahead and read those chapters alone. But we're going to begin in Leviticus 17, and I'm just going to summarize that for you. God is basically just giving general rules for the sacrifices. And so he says, I need you to make very sure that any sacrifice that you make is brought into the courtyard and offered to me exactly as I've instructed you. They had to be very careful not to adopt the practices of the surrounding cultures and sacrifice animals to other gods. And so anytime that they had a sheep or an ox or a goat or any of those kind of animals that they wanted to sacrifice, they had to be sacrificed to God alone in his tabernacle in the way that he's told. And then also they needed to be careful to not eat the blood of any of the animals. Anyone that didn't follow these rules would be guilty of blood guilt. And they couldn't be part of the nation of Israel anymore. It was a very serious crime because the blood of an animal or a person is precious to God because it represents the life of that animal or person. So when being given as a sacrifice, it represents the life of that animal given for our sins to the Lord. And so it can't be given to any other God. Even when hunting, they had to pour out the animal's blood and then cover it with dirt because the blood of that animal has to be treated as precious. And if they found an animal that was already dead or had been killed by another wild animal or something like that, they were allowed to eat that animal. But because the blood is precious and they didn't treat it as such by pouring the blood out and covering it with dirt and all of that, then they were considered unclean. 
And in order to appear clean again to the Lord, they had to do like a ceremonial washing. And so this would demonstrate that they were washing the uncleanness of this animal away. And if they did not do that, then that would be considered a sin for them. It's not sinful to be unclean, but it's sinful to continue in that uncleanness past the time that God says. And so the water doesn't wash the uncleanness away, but it gives the appearance of that. It shows that they understand that as God's people, they need to be appearing as clean to the Lord. And it's just symbolizing this washing away of the uncleanness. And so this whole chapter 17 is mostly just talking about how the sacrifices are sacred and the blood is precious and God expects the people to act accordingly. Now, the next chapter that we're going to talk about is the end of chapter 22. And so beginning in verse 17, it talks about the animals that are acceptable for sacrifice. And we've already talked about how the animals couldn't have any defects, but this lists what the defects are. And so it could be a birth defect like blindness or unproportional limbs, or it could be that the animal's been injured or has some sort of skin condition or disease. And all of those things would disqualify them from being a sacrifice The only exception to this is that if the person was offering a free will offering, then they could use an animal that had an unproportional limb. That's the only stipulation made in this chapter. And we'll go into a little further detail later as to why the animals had to be without defect, but this is just giving details about that. And then at the end of it, It also says that a brand new baby also would not be an acceptable sacrifice. They had to remain with their mothers for at least a week before they were eligible to be a sacrifice. Maybe this was just to give them time with their moms. Maybe it was because the number seven again has the symbol of completion and perfection. And so once they had completed that week, then they would be considered complete to be a perfect sacrifice. We're not really sure, but God does make that stipulation on the sacrifices. And then after the seventh day, they could be sacrificed as long as it wasn't on the same day as their mother. That was also a rule. The other requirement for sacrifices that is listed here in this chapter is that they had to belong to an Israelite. They could not get their sacrifices from a foreigner. And the reason for this is because all of the sacrifices had to belong to a man that belonged to the Lord. The Israelites belonged to God and so did their animals. On the flip side, anyone outside the nation of Israel did not belong to God and their animals also didn't. And so God did not want the Israelites to use animals that didn't belong to him and hadn't been raised by people that belonged to him. So the acceptable offerings were animals without defect, over a week old, belonging to the Israelites. Now let's move on to Leviticus 21, where it talks about the rules for the priests. We've talked about what the priests did and how they made their sacrifices and the daily offerings that they made and daily duties that they had. But this is rules for their conduct and just how they're supposed to present themselves. 
Since they're God's representatives, they had to appear holy at all times. And so the purpose of really this whole lesson is how the clean and the unclean, the holy and the unholy, the perfect and the imperfect are not supposed to associate with each other or be joined in any way. And we're going to talk about clean and unclean animals and things at a later date. But one of the things that was considered unclean is dead bodies. And the reason for that is because they represent corruption and decay. The reason that we die in the first place is because of our sin. And so when anyone came in contact with a dead body, they became unclean themselves for a period of time. And so the priests were not to make themselves unclean for anyone except for their very closest relatives, parents, children, brothers, even a sister, as long as the sister wasn't married. If the sister was married, then she was a closer relative to her husband and his family. They were the ones that were caring for her. But if the sister wasn't married, then the priest would have more of a responsibility to her and he could make himself unclean for her. If any one of the priests approached the holy things during this period of uncleanness after they'd come in contact with this dead body or become unclean for any other reason, then they would be forbidden to serve as priests ever again because the unclean wasn't supposed to come in contact with the clean, the pure, holy things of God. And a priest had to be seen as honorable because God is honorable and their position is honorable. And so not only did they not come in contact with the dead, but they also weren't supposed to mourn the dead outwardly as other people did by like tearing their clothes or shaving their heads or letting their hair grow long. If you think about a person that looks like they're in mourning, they don't look honorable. They don't look like someone that you would go to for advice. The air that we're giving off at that moment is that we don't really have our lives all together. And so it's not a dignified look. It's not an honorable look. It's not someone that you would go to. And so the priests are not supposed to give off that impression to the people. Also, providing that they're supposed to be pure, the women that they married had to be pure. And so they couldn't marry a prostitute or a woman that had been divorced or a woman that had slept with a man outside of marriage. The only people that they could marry were virgins and widows. Even though the widow had been with a man before, the priests were permitted to marry her because she hadn't betrayed her spouse in any way or her own purity. She hadn't done anything wrong, and so the priests would be allowed to marry her. Now, not only were women that they married supposed to be pure, but also their daughters. Their entire family is the picture of God to the people. And so if their daughter tainted their father's name by prostituting herself, then that was an offense punishable by death. It was that important that the people saw them in this way. They are representing God to the people. And then the rules for the high priest were even harsher than the ones for the other priests. They couldn't make themselves unclean for any reason. No dead body. They couldn't even come in contact with the dead bodies of their parents. And the reason for this is because the high priest had a job that was continuous. And their primary focus was serving the Lord. 
Every day they had to light the lamps, light the incense, morning and night. They had to perform sacrifices. And yes, they cared about their families and were sad when they died, but their primary focus was the Lord and nothing was supposed to distract from that. They couldn't leave the sanctuary for any reason. Their job was continuous. They had no time off for any reason. Their focus was to be on the Lord. And also, they were the ones that met with the Lord personally. And if they became clean for any reason, then they wouldn't be able to come in contact with the pure, honorable, perfect God. And so they couldn't make themselves unclean for any reason or stop their work. Also, because they had to be the greatest picture of perfection and purity, their wives also had to be. And so they weren't even allowed to marry a widow because she had slept with a man and that made her impure. It didn't make that her sinful, but it made her not as pure. Same as making yourself unclean wasn't a sin. It's not a sin for her, but it did make her less pure. And so the high priest could only marry a virgin. His rules were harsher than those of the rest of the priests. And then as we get into verse 22, it tells us that only the priests and those that belonged to him were permitted to eat of the food that was offered to the Lord. So their children and their slaves could eat of the food because the slaves also belonged to them. And this is how they fed their children and their slaves since they were supposed to be taking care of them. But no guests and no hired workers, no friends could eat of the food that was offered to the Lord. And we'll talk further about slaves at a later date, but there were rules to their slaves and they were supposed to be taking care of them. And that's the reason that they were allowed to eat their food. And once their daughter got married, then she belonged to her husband's family and she ate the food that her husband's family ate. And so if the husband was from a priestly family, she could still eat the food offered to the Lord. But if not, then she was no longer allowed to eat from her father's table unless she became a widow or she was divorced and she moved back into her father's house and then she could eat with his family again. And so no common people could eat from the food offered to the Lord. And if by some chance someone did by accident, then they would have to pay the priests a fifth of its value to make restitution for that. So at the end of chapter 22, we talked about acceptable sacrifices. And at the end of 21, we learn who is acceptable to the Lord to offer those sacrifices. Both the sacrifice and the priest had to be considered clean and without defect in order to be acceptable. So only the perfect life could pay the price for an imperfect life. And just as the offering had to be unblemished, so did the offer. The priests represented the excellence of God and men with physical defects gave the picture of imperfection. And so they also could not serve God in that way. If anyone from a priestly family exhibited any blemishes, then that person couldn't serve at the altar. And it lists some of those blemishes And some of those were permanent and prevented them from ever serving God in that way. And then others were temporary, like an injury or something. And so it listed these things as 
blind, lame, mutilated, deformed, hunchback, dwarves, also those with skin conditions and diseases, were unable to present offerings. And before you decide that's unfair, that doesn't seem right, they were born with these things, we have to remember that most of Israel was not allowed to offer sacrifices to the Lord. There were 12 tribes of Israel and 11 of the tribes were completely forbidden from offering sacrifices to the Lord. Only the Levites were permitted to serve the Lord in any way. And we'll learn a little bit more about that next week. But only a select part of the Levites were allowed to offer sacrifices to God. Only Aaron's children. And so this isn't a punishment. It is because God is wanting the picture of perfection in this entire ritual. And they were allowed to eat the food. They just couldn't offer it because they were in a priestly family. And then another thing that would prevent them from offering sacrifices is if they themselves were unclean in some way. So if they had touched a dead body, like I said, or they had leprosy or a discharge. They couldn't offer the food. And they also couldn't eat it until the evening when they had bathed and done that ceremonial washing. Then they would be considered clean and they would be able to eat of the food. And so only priests that were considered clean and unblemished could offer sacrifices to the Lord. And only the priests that were clean could eat of the holy food. So what does this mean for us, right? What do we need to gather from this information? Well, first of all, both the sacrifice and the priest had to be considered clean and without defect in order to be acceptable to God. That's the summary of this. And so only the perfect life could pay the price for the imperfect one. That's the reason that the sacrifice had to be as perfect as possible. But just as the offering had to be unblemished, so did the offerer, because the priests represented the excellence of God, and men with physical defects gave the picture of this imperfection, and so they couldn't serve him in that way. Now, this may seem unfair to you because these people were born like this, most of them. It's of no fault of their own, and so it seems as though they shouldn't be disqualified in this way. But you have to remember that just as the animals that they sacrificed couldn't be raised by foreigners, common people couldn't eat the food that was offered to the Lord. And so the majority of the Israelites were not allowed to offer food. So it was only a select few anyway. And so both the sacrifice and the people that ate it had to belong to God and appear clean and without defect. And you have to understand that if the sacrifice had the appearance of perfection, but the one that offered it did not, then again, you would be joining two things that are not the same. And so the imperfect would taint the perfect. Also, if the person that was eating it was unclean, then they would be taking in something that was clean, that was holy, that was perfect. And that would be a joining. And so if the person was unclean, they couldn't eat it. It's all about the appearance and the joining of the two. And that's why, again, their wives had to be pure. They couldn't join themselves with any kind of impurity if they wanted to represent God's purity. 
and they couldn't look dishonorable if they wanted to represent the God that deserves all of our honor, right? Let me read you a verse about that. This is Psalm 104.1. We need to constantly remember that God is deserving of our honor. And it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with honor and majesty. So the priests had to clothe themselves in honor and majesty because their God is clothed in honor and majesty and they are his representatives. And so the whole ritual was supposed to demonstrate the holy, perfect, pure, righteous, honorable, redeeming, sanctifying God, right? If the priests were his representatives, then they needed to represent who God is to the people so that they can know him better. And then they had to be that so that they could be closer to God, so that they weren't merging, joining their sinful, impure, dishonorable selves with the pure, perfect, holy, honorable God, right? And so we too need to do the same because we've learned in previous lessons that we are present day priests. We are the ones that offer up ourselves to the Lord. And we're also the ones that represent God to this world. And if we're going to do that, we need to take the instructions that God gave the priests and apply them to ourselves. And so I want to read you a couple of verses pertaining to that. The first one is in Matthew 5, 8. And it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The outward is done away with now, and he wants purity from the inside. And then further down, the last verse of chapter 5 in Matthew, verse 48 says, therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your father in heaven is perfect. Our desire is to look more like him each and every day. And then listen to what it says in 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So he says, be an example, represent the Lord with your words, with your conduct, in how you love others, with your spirit, in your faith, and by being pure. That is how we can be an example to the world of the Lord. And that's what he asks us to do. Also in 1 Timothy 5.22, it says, Do not lay hands on anyone hastily or share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. God says, be careful. The same thing he told the people, don't share in the sins of the surrounding nations by offering sacrifices to other gods. Do not allow yourself to do what this world does. Separate yourself from this world. Be pure so that other people will see God in you and they will come to know him because of your actions. And then the last verse, 1 John chapter 3, the first three verses. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us because it didn't know him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And this is the important part. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. 
So it says everyone that hopes to be with the Lord one day needs to purify himself because God himself is pure. If you want to join yourself with him, then you need to be pure also. These are all goals. Obviously, on this earth, we cannot be perfect or completely pure, just as these priests couldn't be. That's why they had to do these outward things that would show their purity and honor and perfection. But Jesus makes us righteous and pure and holy. And so we need to accept the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf and allow his blood to cover us so that God sees us in that way. And then we also need to allow his Holy Spirit to guide us and produce the fruits of him within us so that we can present those things to others. That is our job. And so all of the things that are told to the priests also can apply to us not in the physical way, but in the spiritual way. We need to present ourselves as holy and perfect and pure and righteous and honorable in the best way we can with the help of the Lord Jesus. So that is all we're going to talk about today. Next week, we're going to go ahead and move on to the Levites, and we'll also talk about them celebrating the first Passover. So Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Leave me a five-star review. That always helps me out. And also, if you want to leave comments, I would be glad to know your thoughts on this lesson. Also, if you'd like to email me, my email address is Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com. Thanks and have a good day. Mm -hmm.